Minecraft mages. There's only one time here right now, and you know what that time is. It's time for more Kaldheim spoilers. So kick back and enjoy part four of the series. I want you to read this next card, CGB, because this this oh, this card's cool. This card's cool. Read Waking the Trolls. It's kind of my passion in life actually my pastime if you could put a title on it is literally just saying things to wake the trolls so i am honored to read this one for red green one chapter one oh it's an enchantment saga by the way chapter one destroy target land chapter two put target land card from a graveyard a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control chapter three Choose target opponent. If they control fewer lands, then you create a number of 4-4 green troll warrior creature tokens with trample equal to the difference. Arjuna, have we finally found the mirror breaker in our world tree format? (laughs) Well, I don't know about all that world tree nonsense, but... I think uh, Mirror Breaker is what you want to be thinking about when you're reading this card. Um, so I was lower on this card before I listened to a certain podcast, um, which we've probably not shouted out on this podcast, but it is in the resources family, Constructed Resources. It is led by LSV and... Um, What's that other guy's name? Andrew Beckstrom. Andrew Beckstrom, right? BK. I got confused because I was like, I always want to be like Brian Kibler. And then I'm like, no, no, it's BK, BK Andrew Beckstrom. BK would understand. He would understand. <laughs> yes. And probably roll his eyes. So they were discussing this card and they, what they said, and after re- listening to that discussion, I totally agree with them, is this is the kind of card which is easy to overlook which is not particularly good in certain matchups, but then in other matchups, it's like the card that matters that decides games. Let's just think about in your average, just like your average deck. Let's say you just plop this straight into Gruel, right? In standard, how good would it be? Probably not that good. The first and two chapters of the saga are like fine, but definitely not what you wanted to spend six mana on. Probably. Yeah, it says six mana in your creature deck, so no. Yeah, yeah. So I would take the under on playing this card. If you're just kind of thinking like, should I craft this? Should I put it into XYZ deck? No, don't. Ignore it. Pretend it doesn't exist, all right? But there are going to be certain matchups where if you resolve this, it's going to put you very far ahead. And there are certain matchups where imagine if you resolve more than one of these. Imagine if you blink this. Imagine if there's any way to keep getting this effect. Like after a couple of these, you will bludgeon your late game opponent into submission very, very quickly. So I think that's where I really see this coming in as like in a longer matchup. Like you don't play this against aggro, right? The only way you play this against aggro is if you have like some super focused like turbo ramp deck where this is a key component and you get it out really quickly and whatever, but you probably don't. But like in a in a more mid-range your control matchup, this could just be the card that like locks your opponent out of the game and then it gives you a handy win con, right? Like making a bunch of those troll warrior tokens is no joke. Your opponent's going to have to deal with them, and even if they do, you're probably 
quite far ahead on lands at that point and you're just going to be able to overpower your opponent with a mana advantage so anyway that that was the lesson i learned from reading too much better magic players uh listening to too much better magic players talk about this card what do you think about all that cgb it, it's good to know that a pro tour champion hall of fame consensus top fiver like lsv has finally come around to my way of thinking because <laughs> having heard absolutely nothing uh, of of that podcast so far i it's on my phone i'm going to listen to it later today um but i would have told you that i had two spots in mind for the card and that they were probably in the sideboard i mono green food but splashing red some it was already doing that for the acroan wars sometimes for kind of mirror matches or even more to hammer control decks and the other spot was sideboard for team or ramp for again mirrors basically mirrors and that yes there are matchups there are so many matchups where this is not the thing you need to be doing that i don't think you can main deck it or i don't think it will be a, a like a regular part of a deck but then there are just a couple of matchups where it's not about what's on the battlefield it's about who's getting ahead in mana to the eventual end game and i do think i i think that this card is in a way in case the world somehow does end up become becoming about ramping into a world tree endgame. This is a mirror breaker in that, for sure. If you actually if that actually happens, it's kind of bizarre that this is in the set, because if if that was a strategy that really mattered, this card becomes a very real card. Yeah. I mean, even play patterns like destroy your opponent's castle get their castle now you can use that in your deck moving forward again that's not why you play the card but it's things like that that are going to win you a long matchup against a deck that's trying to go long playing this card against counter spells not great uh playing this card against ecd not great but yeah i i do i think that there could be a home for it and i think that especially if a certain style of rampy deck becomes popular in the format then we could see this card show up. I predict that, like, however much people think this card is going to show up, I think it's going to show up a little more than that. That's my prediction. I think if you're talking about competitive players, I agree. I, I think that the average casual player is overly excited about yeah, it. Yeah, could be, could be. So, so yeah. I agree with you, but I think I, I think we're in agreement. Yeah, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> so I think what you, the listener, should take away from this is don't craft this card pretend this card doesn't exist and wait for it to show up in some context where you're like oh my god that card's low-key amazing and then you craft it and then you play it and then we learn from better players how to play this card so that's that's what i'm thinking about with this card good advice turgid god of fright <laughs> all right i pronounced that wrong just for the laugh um but <laughs> it, you awakened this troll <laughs> but i do think that it was uh questionable choices were made on the on the flavor team there i'm turgid with flight fright reading this card so <laughs> <laughs> i can't <laughs> Uh, all right turgrid god of fright three black black legendary creature god four five with menace whenever an opponent sacrifices a non-token permanent or discards a permanent card you may put that card from a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control woo nelly 
what an effect. All right, and then the back side is Tugard's Lantern, three and a black, legendary artifact. Tap, target player loses three life unless they sacrifice a non-land permanent or discard a card. And three and a black, notably you can do this as many times as you want, untap Tugard's Lantern. CGB, I, I think you would agree with me that this is a card with potential and implications and it's kind of weird and it doesn't immediately jump out as like a card that you slam in a deck, but pretty powerful, right? When you, when you start to think about all the bizarreness that this card creates in the game, it's, it's kind of nutty. The, the discard's a permanent card in particular. Yeah. Play this against Cycling. Oh, man. <laughs> See what happens when they cycle their Flourishing Fox and their Droneth. Heck, just cycle a Shark Typhoon. What yep, more do you need? Shark Typhoon is because a major bummer against this card. That is, that is <laughs> discarding a permanent card. That is yep. cycling. Yep. Uh, if they cycle a Savi Triome, it's yours. Yeah, that's gas, dude. Oh, my it's, gosh. It's pretty cool. Gas. Yeah. Especially since, like, at the point in the game where people start cycling their triomes is right around when you've resolved a card like this. Did you know it says non-token permanent, not non-land permanent? You get their fabled passage. Whoa. Oh my gosh, that is... Yeah. Oh, it man. doesn't occur people, to you right people away, People are going to get it? got by this thing, dude. Oh my goodness. How about, um, how about when they sack their omen of the sea? You know, to just a little scry yeah. too, please. Hey, okay, what happens if you have this in play and your opponent plays Oro or Kroxa? You get one too, right? Oh, oh, it's fun. So yeah. let's talk about the Kroxa because it's still, Kroxa's still legal. Still in standard, um, right. So if you control this and your opponent plays Kroxa, you do have to discard a card, but then they sacrifice the Kroxa to itself, which means you get the Kroxa. Yeah. Now, if they discarded a, and now... They have to discard yes. a card to the Croxa. If they discard a permanent card to their Croxa that you stole, then you get that card. You get that card as well. And the Croxa trigger goes off because it entered the battlefield. So it goes back to their graveyard. But I, depending what they discarded, that <laughs> that's, that's, who knows? That's, that's a wild. good time, man. It's a good time for the yeah. controller of Telgrid for sure. Oh, yeah, you discard a card, they discarded a card, and you gain control of something, maybe. I, I, it's it's a cool, it's a pretty cool effect, and that'll be a fun thing to watch. But there's a bunch of things with this that you don't quite see coming, but sacrifice has become a pretty regular part of our magic ecosystem. Oh, yeah, dude. I mean, think about this, right? Okay, let's now I know that this deck isn't really played in standard but it's played a lot in historic so let's talk about this if you resolve this against the historic deck how much value are you going to get before they manage to take this thing down you're talking about the cat oven yeah okay so this is a good thing to know it doesn't really work against cat oven because you create the food as part of like paying the sacrifice right so now you can sacrifice the food to get it back with this trigger on the stack or no, is that not true? I think there's two triggers, right? Oh, I think that the yeah, way it works is that both triggers go off. Mm, and if the food gets created before the sac before the gain control trigger resolves, you can sacrifice the food with that tr with the Tegrid trigger on the stack and get the cat back. So you might be able to kind but of I think it. it depends what I think it depends what turn you're on, right? Yeah. Because the ordering depends on who the active player is. Well, 
and and regardless like that's okay so that's one sack trigger right but like yes. they can't claim this and if they are trying to mayhem devil us down again like how how many things will you control <laughs> at the end of that transaction and the other thing uh. is even if they have a priest in play okay maybe they had like two cats or whatever but like you might just end up with like a mayhem devil or a, a woe strider or like i don't know man like th that would be hilarious if they had to throw away a dreadhorde butcher and a mayhem devil to a priest to hit this and then you gain control of the butcher and the devil dude but you hit the tank no no you end up sacrificing the you end up sacrificing the butcher they can't priest this you gain control you of get stuff it, before it resolves and then you sack right? it that's what i'm saying man like yeah. this okay this okay. might be lights out against the sack deck it might just be game over so i, I want to see it like <laughs> compelling content achieved this is another really cool card and I think it has sideboard implications. I I want to build a Doom Foretold deck that runs this. Oh, yes. Because I think that's awesome. Yes. That's so brutal. Uh, but I do think it's a bit too easy to answer in standard, to be honest. And I don't think the backside is quite good enough. Well, let's talk about that. I agree again that, like, you're really probably not going to want to play this against any kind of aggro deck. Like, any deck that's trying to attack you, this card's probably not yeah. good enough. However, think about this. All right, so you resolve this card, and then for the remainder of the game, your opponent pays three life a turn, or they sacrifice or discard a thing per turn. But that's just, you get that for free after you've resolved this. Yeah, but it's like a curse. You can just, if you're playing a control deck, you just wait till you're at the end of your opponent's turn. And if you haven't spent your mana, you get to do it again. Uh, once you have eight mana, you get to do this effect up to three times a turn, and control decks get there. So, like, this could just frickin' thirst your opponent out of a game. Yeah, I think that the key on it is that if they're a deck full of removal that's just going to kill the four or five, does nothing when it ETBs, you just you bite the bullet and you play the other side. Yep. Your opponent either has to have, like, exile removal, like an apparition or an ECD, or they have to have artifact removal to get rid of this once it resolves. And like we said, some decks are just that they're, they're not leaving home with that kind of hate. So there could be certain matchups where you just resolve this against your control opponent. They look at their hand and they think about their deck and they're like, I'm done. I can't beat that card. Probably a Demir type control deck that didn't have yeah, its counter. Yeah, something available. like that, yeah. right? So again, Maybe not as good as some of the other potential ways that you could choose to win the game, but this card might be quite good in a control mirror specifically because you resolve it and then your opponent looks down at their shark typhoons and they're like, crap, <laughs> like I can't get any value out of these until I deal with that thing. So I don't know, man, this card could put certain specific decks in a pretty tight squeeze. Do we have anything up our sleeve to just make them discard their hand and we get it all? I mean, Thoughtseize, that's a pretty good combo. You just nab whatever. <laughs> sure. Thoughtsies. Yeah, good just combo nab with anything. whatever permanent you wanted out of their hand. I mean, that's pretty nasty, dude. This card could be like a kind of a flashy, powerful looking meme, or it could end up being surprisingly awful to play against. So I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm in. I really want to believe in this card. Okay. Berserker Draconido. I, I, I guess it, it's, we're yep. looking at a different language on the page 
Okay, so this is a one in a red 2-2 two, two, creature human berserker with first strike. Boast abilities you activate cost one less to activate for each dragon you control. Ooh. And boast four and a red create a 5-5 five, five red dragon creature with flying. Yeah, this card's worth a look, man. It's worth a look. It is a two mana two two first striker good enough? No. So you accept that you have to be able to activate the boast for it to be any good. Yes. So it's five mana it it's five mana to do that. I, I'm not saying it's impossible, but I'm saying that the typical aggro red deck, like the typical deck that looks at this and kind of tries to get excited about it is not looking for things to pump its mana into on turn five uh, that aren't like Embercleave, you know, that aren't game ending. I think this card is good and I definitely want to try it, but I'm skeptical that it's going to do what people want it to do. Totally. Yeah. I hear you on all points, like embarrassing against bone crusher, um, embarrassing in certain other matchups. Um, there are going to be matchups where like you're just getting beaten down by a lovestruck beast and this card is a joke, right? Um, so there's definitely that aspect to the card. I do think if you get one dragon out of it, it's just fantastic. So yeah, maybe it's not good enough. I could see like um, this card might be good in matchups like... Uh, maybe it's not even I, I don't know i'm just pulling this out of my hat now but like like a, against like a mono white life gain deck for example your two two first strike might be relevant in the early turns of the game and stop them getting in with their cheap life linkers and then like on a later turn of the game you trade this in for a dragon i don't know i'm just i'm just brain brainstorming here yeah i i don't think this is the two drop red needed to be competitive <laughs> yeah well, and it's certainly not the one drop red needs to be competitive, so... Agreed. It's definitely <laughs> not that either. Yes. Shame. All right. Well, this next card, I think, definitely has the potential to be competitive. I'm certainly excited about it. Anyway, Essika's Chariot. Three and a green for a legendary artifact vehicle. 4-4 four, four vehicle. When Essika's Chariot enters the battlefield, create two 2-2 two, two green cat creature tokens. Whenever a Seeker's Chariot attacks, create a token that is a copy of target token you control, and it has crew for. So, I mean, the first thing everyone noticed about this card was that it's one of the cutest magic cards ever printed. If you have any kind of a heart beating in your chest, you just have to get melted by that, that golden cat in the picture. Um, the second thing you probably noticed about this card is like, hmm, that could actually be pretty good. Yeah, the rate is good. It's good, right? You get, so you basically get 8-8 eight, eight worth of kind of raw stats for 4 mana. Now, obviously, 4 of them are not alive. 4 of them need to be woken up. But this generates 3 permanents. And, like, I can imagine, like, if you resolve this against a control deck, I can imagine them looking at their hand and just being like, crap, dude, like, that's going to be really annoying to deal with. Yeah. So do you kind of see a play pattern with this already? I have something in mind, but I'm kind of curious what you had in mind since you're already excited about it. Uh, yeah, I, I have not actually like contemplated all of the various things you could do with it. My, my mind was basically something like 
this this is like the baseline, right? This is the boring version of this card is that you you play it on four mana, you get your cats in your four four, and it's basically it's like cool on attacks and cool on blocks, right? If you block with it, your opponent is trading disadvantageously because you get to keep the cats even if you lose the chariot. And of course, what you're trying to do is trade. Uh, same thing on attacks. If you attack with it next turn, same thing. You're swinging in with your 4-4, and you basically win on that trade, provided you don't get blown out. So it's just like, uh, I think of this as kind of like a sticky and resilient threat. If your opponent wraths the board, then you have essentially a 4-4 haster as soon as you can follow it up with something to crew this. So yeah, just like the vanilla version of the card seems pretty gas and then of course copying the token it's like if you copy one token off of this you you got well paid for it so the boring version is still pretty good so for me the biggest kind of like the fear for me is the crew four that's not a low crew cost it's not yeah it's not but it lines up really well with a few specific things Number one, there are a lot of cards, and there always will, because Wizards doesn't know what the heck to do with the color white, so they just do the same thing over and over. There's a lot of four-power angels. There's a lot of ways to make a 4-4 angel token. And you know what you can do when you crew this and it, with an angel token and attack? Make uh, another angel get token. another angel. That's quite nice. Isn't that sweet? Yep. Okay, now say that you played an enchantment like a saga or the, uh, I think it's something about the Valkyries, something of the Valkyries. That yeah, was in, that it was one of the first card. cards. Yeah. Yep, we, pre- we talked about it. Say that you play something like that. Now you have made an angel. You have copied that angel. You know what else has four power that goes really well with this card? Yorian. Oh, yeah, Yorian. There you Yorian, go. Yorian flickers the thing that made the angel. Yorian flickers the chariot itself to make two more cats. Yep. Are we doing it? Are we doing it yet? This card's That's gas, a lot of man. board. That's a lot of board presence. Mm-hmm. And let's say you just need to ramp. You just copy a treasure. There you go. You got an extra treasure. Maybe that helps you to cast a bigger thing on the next turn. I just think like this card has a lot of possibilities. Copying any token... It doesn't specify what kind of token. Any token you like that you control. So I'm going to copy my 8-8 Hexproof Kraken token from Pure Best the Sea God. Can you think of some great tokens in uh, uh, Standard? Now we're doing it, man. Yeah. We are doing it. Yeah, that is probably the juiciest token you can make in Standard. Um, I mean, you can copy a Skyclave Apparition token if you got left with an illusion. You can copy a Shark token if you played a Shark Typhoon. Like, there's... It, there's stuff. Good options. All yeah. good options. And then, of course, Planeswalkers make tokens, right? So, yep. like, you can copy your Ashiok token, free 2-3. It's pretty gas. I don't know. <laughs> a, lot of, yep. a lot of possibilities. So, yeah, I, I, like, people are definitely going to try this, and it definitely has the potential to be good, and it even has the potential to be, like, an eye-rolly, like, every green deck plays it, and I hate it kind of a card. Read Quakebringer for us. Quakebringer is three red red for a 5-4 mythic giant berserker. It has foretell, two red red, and it says your opponents can't gain life. At the beginning of your upkeep, Quakebringer deals two damage to each opponent. This ability triggers only if Quakebringer is on the battlefield or if Quakebringer is in your graveyard and you control the giant. 
What do you think? Is this the giant? It's mythic. It's a giant. It's it's a giant. I'll say that. I don't know if it's the giant, but I think it's, it's definitely one of the giants. This card doesn't start to be interesting until you contemplate the graveyard ability. Right. If you have any way to mill this or discard it for value, then yes, this card is absolutely worth it, man. We've seen how pesky and annoying and sometimes game ending it is when your opponent just gets down that clothes in the game and they're just doming you for two a turn and the only like it's a fairly easy it's an easy thing to meet you have a giant on the board you have a giant in the yard if you are in a giant tribal deck that's kind of what you're trying to do anyway and it's it's annoying your opponent's not going to want to like bring in graveyard hate against it it doesn't immediately all add up as being a slam dunk to me, but I could definitely see this being a standard standard issue giant for your standard giants deck. I think one of the things that people will point out right away is how good this can be against rogues mm. because yep. they mill you and it's you true. don't have to worry about getting the giant in your graveyard. But I'm... I, I'm going to be that guy. Uh, this is definitely one of the most dies to removal cards available. And it's the same thing. You don't get the graveyard ability if they kill your giant. And that's the problem with giants. It's usually about keeping them on the battlefield because the stats need to matter. And if the giant is on the battlefield, you should be winning anyway if it's a good body. And if they kill it, you need resiliency. I don't see it. I don't see any resiliency in the giant tribe. I see more resiliency in the dragons. Like, they make a treasure when you target them, which you can sacrifice for mana to use to defend it. I don't see a giant that's resilient yet. I have to, or I just don't believe. It's true. That's a really good point. Give me a hexproof giant for four, and I'm into this. There is actually a hexproof giant for five in this set, but it looks like a limited player, so... Oh, God. (laughs) I wasn't going to read it, (laughs) but anyway. Yeah, uh, but I do think the can't gain life clause is real and the reach is real. So I agree in like against removal heavy matchups, this could be not a player. There's plenty of matchups where this card isn't very good and maybe it just all adds up to not being good enough. But um, don't sleep on that graveyard ability because that is really like... That's the that's the part that makes this card a contender at all. All right, next card, Replicating Ring. Snow Artifact at Uncommon costs three mana, and you tap it to add one mana of any color. But wait, there's more. At the beginning of your upkeep, put a Knight Counter on Replicating Ring. Then if it has eight or more Knight Counters on it, remove all of them and create eight colorless snow artifact tokens named Replicated Ring with tap at one mana of any color. Uh, oh my god, we can use our world we can tree, use on, our world on, tree. Turn 11, it's on turn 11. On turn 11, as Richard Garfield intended. It's a combo. This this is like one of the more bizarre build-around cards I've seen in a long time. So this basically says on a turn of the game at which you usually have a million mana, you will now have approximately a billion mana. So yeah, I think the only I, the only way we consider this is if we're running the Vorinclex, right? For what? You you get double the counters. What count? <laughs> oh, oh, with the night counter at the beginning of your upkeep, you'll get two night counters. Yeah, instead of one. Wow. that's what you, I'm talking about. 
<laughs> now you can get now if you have a six six trampled game breaking praetor in play for the next four turns, you can maybe make some mana. Cool. Good. Good. You, you did it. Uh, I I don't know what we do. I'm good. So the only thing I'm looking for with this is that the every single one of these t- artifacts that gets made is a snow permanent. So I'm right, looking for so something maybe. that pays you for snow permanents. Yeah. 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 That's true. That's a, that's all I got. Yeah. This you know what this card reminds me of is the um, the orrery the seven mana orrery where it's kind of like a thing which you don't get benefit from until the late game but it's like an enabler so you kind of want to play it earlier in the game that's what this reminds me of like the payoff is an enabler and that's just always weird to see on a card for me agree reckless crew is three and a red sorcery create x21 red dwarf berserker creature tokens where x is the number of vehicles you control plus the number of equipment you control for each of those tokens you may attach an equipment you control to it why why does it let you attach the equipment but doesn't automatically crew the vehicle well because your your berserker tokens are supposed to do that right yeah, but I, I hate that you get this auto-equip from one type, but you don't get the, the an auto-crew. Auto crew. Yeah. yeah, I want a free crew. I want, make this, I want some value. It would make this card more playable. I, I don't know. It This isn't it, right? No. I mean, how if you've spent your turn casting a number of equipments and vehicles, is making a bunch of 2-1 dwarfs and getting some free equip action it? I I can't picture this card being what we needed. It's yeah. definitely not the dwarf card that made Magda good, and I'm still nope. looking for that. Nope. You're right. I mean, here's the thing. At any point in the game that you're casting this, it's not impressive. So let's say that you somehow managed to cast both an equipment and a vehicle like curving into this a of all that wasn't very impressive because you weren't doing anything with them b of all you cast this and you get two dwarves (laughs) we're really doing it all right how about three let's say that you managed to get three of those things into play so now we're talking Ah. like turn five turn six random turn of the game we made three two ones yeah this this card is just not good I guess, do we want to play this with the Chariot? They're both four drops. I, I just don't see it, man. No, I'm, I'm not seeing it. We can probably just move on from this card. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Uh, this next one's interesting. So read, read Rise of the Dreadmon. Two and a black for an instant. Create X22 black zombie berserker creature tokens, where X is the number of non-token creatures that died this turn. Foretell one black mana. What do you think? I, I vacillate between being like this card's unplayable to being like, is it kind of busted? I'm like, is it? Oh man, okay. I would have been higher on this card if I hadn't been disappointed by another card, which we got excited about a while back, which was the Liliana's Standard Bearer. Yeah, I, 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 guilty. One of my misses last year. Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of people missed on that card. I think we all just overestimated like how 
cool that was going to be, and it turned out that it was just a bit too narrow. And so that's kind of my worry with this card as well. Like, okay, we can all assemble the cool thing. We can all in our minds think about how this wins us the game, obviously. But this kind of encounters one of the problems that you've been bringing up lately, CGB, which is that Fortel does not play with aggro. Mm -hmm. And this is really an aggro card. So the whole joke with this card is that your opponent plays a Wrath and you foretold it and you had the black mana up and you make the things and then you swing out next turn, right? That's the, that's the idea. I mean, it's not the only thing you can do with this card, but it is probably the most, the, the play pattern that kind of makes people salivate the most. And it's just kind of like, eh, maybe, maybe you had the mana, maybe you fit this into your curve, maybe you have this in your hand at the key time. But like, I don't know, man. Like, I, what what do you think? I'm trying to picture how good it would be if Cat Oven were still legal, like it was supposed to be. Mm, interesting. And then interesting you know idea. maybe you get like two or three zombies out of like a Cat Oven turn plus other things. Yeah. I I do have a huge problem with the card. The the foretelling is not like we talked about. It's just not an aggro ability, and I just. I've also just never been a fan of these cards that are good when your creatures are getting killed because yeah. it's very situational. If you have it when you don't need it, it's kind of a waste. If you have it when uh, maybe you have it when you need it, but the opponent isn't using sweepers, they're just picking here and there and it's not very good and it's just low rate. And it's not like you get the creature back. You get a 2-2 black zombie berserker token mm -hmm. like that. That is often not the same thing. So you need multiple creatures to die, which means you don't have a lot of time to pay a foretell cost and set things up. I think the best thing about this card is the bluff, where mm, your opponent's yep. going into the sweeper turn and you could commit more cards, but instead you foretell. Then any foretell card might be this card and the opponent rethinks their sweeper. But if you're being a good aggro deck, they have to do it anyway. Yeah. So I, I just don't I don't get it. Um this isn't the type of card I get excited about. It's the type of card other people always get excited about. But I'm not, you know, like Heroic Intervention is a card I just never play. Yeah. And everybody else is like, oh my god, it's counter target board wipe. Isn't that better than this card? Because Heroic Intervention can save one creature from a removal spell, and you still have your creature, not a zombie. Yeah. Or Heroic Intervention can save the whole squad, which is probably better than a bunch of 2-2 zombie berserkers. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, this is one of those cards where, like, it will occasionally get you, or you will occasionally get someone with it, and you'll feel smug. Yeah. But then, yep. more of the time, it's just going to be rotting in your hand, and you're just going to be looking at the board and being like, wait, why did I put this card in my deck? So, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I, I accept that I'm going to get got by a card like this once a season. Yeah, that's I, it. In that's my it. opinion, that doesn't make it good. I, I think I'm with you. Yeah, I'm definitely not. Like, someone's going to have to prove this to me. The only other thing I can think of is if you have a deck which is built around, like, sacrificing a bunch of creatures on a particular turn and then playing this, like, if there's some actual combo, then it goes up in value in that deck specifically. But haven't seen anything like that. Search for glory. Two and a white snow sorcery at rare. Search your library for a snow permanent card, a legendary card, or a saga card. Reveal it, put it into your hand, and then shuffle your library. You gain one life for each snow spent to cast the spell. 
So the only deck you put this in is a deck where it's effectively a two to for three, where it can basically get anything that you want. And the question I have is, are tutors for three playable? I think that they're trying to get there. The mm -hmm. The fact that you gain life for the snow mana does mean that you're not completely losing the tempo of the turn. Yeah. Which was it the biggest something. problem with tutors. Yeah. It, it's even card exchange, but negative tempo. If you gain life and the most your opponent could do was deal you like three damage, then you negated that. If the opponent deals you five, then you still negated three of it, which is pretty good. I think that the life trade-off is actually fine for a card like this. And I, I think it makes it a lot better. Then the other problem we have is what's the rest of the deck? So we need, if we're a snow deck, we're probably not using a lot of dual lands or pathways. So we really need to stay close to a color because I think the dual lands for snow decks are terrible. They're just generic enter the battlefield tapped. Not good. So if we're mostly, if we're really close to white or mono white, what are we doing? What are we tutoring for? Are we supposed, shouldn't we just be aggressive? Shouldn't we just do something differently? So if there's like a mono white, almost control deck, and you're just going to go fetch those Elspeth Conquers deaths, you know, I, I don't know. That's, that's as far as I got with the card mentally, which is very narrow, but not as terrible as, as tutors have been for a while. I do assume that, yeah, I mean, like I said, you play this in a deck where, like, it hits 57 of the cards in your deck or whatever. One of the unfortunate things about a card like this is that it doesn't, for example, get that Shatter the Sky when you just need to guarantee Shatter the Sky on turn four. I mean, so it has to be a snow permanent. Okay, I was gonna, I was gonna say they could introduce those snow sorceries. Yeah, and give you wrath, I know. But if it right, was like right. any snow card, then maybe they'd make one. I don't know. But that, so that's that's the thing. Is it's kind of like so. I really see this being a combo enabler. One of the things that I do like about it is that sometimes you do just really want to hit your fourth land drop and you cast an expensive land fetch and it sucks but it's what you want to do i like that this can kind of hit the various things and set you up but it, yeah it's just it's overpriced unless you have some very specific powerful thing you're trying to do so in the end i'm thinking of this as a combo card and mm. probably not anything else a card that hasn't been able to get through yet, but is potentially good, is Griffin Airy, which makes a 2-2 Griffin flyer every turn if you gain three life. Yeah. Now, usually that means you run a bunch of terrible cards. As a, Like, a two-man enchantment that gave you a free 2-2 flyer every turn would be really good. Yeah. But gaining life is really bad. But this is on curve. Like, if you play Griffin Airy and then play this and then go fetch another card that gains you the life somehow and is good and is a four drop then that's not a terrible curve it's true yeah if you're grabbing some angel that is pretty decent that also gains life maybe yeah maybe maybe i put me down as a probably not but yeah me too you know maybe it shows up if it shows up it's in a for a very specific reason i would say all right this next card i think is fairly compelling uh, rally the ranks one on a white enchantment as rally the ranks enters the battlefield choose a creature type creatures you control of the chosen type get plus one plus one yeah two mana anthem but tribal pretty strong people in the previous format people were paying two mana for this as a sorcery 
that just buffed the team. You say people like it was a thing. It one person crushed <laughs> one, a tournament one once to make me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one person and their acolytes played this card. Uh, but yeah, I don't know, man. It's pretty efficient, and if you're going wide, definitely worth it. Yeah. The real question is like, which deck does it go into? Right. That's the that's the question. Yeah. What's the tribe? I'm gonna wager. I'm gonna wager that warriors looks like the tribe, and maybe clerics. What do you think? Uh, there's a surprising number of things that are humans, and a surprising number of things spit out humans tokens. Now, I don't. Okay. I'm not. I don't know how supported humans are in this set, and that could kill it. But that was the first thing that came to my mind: is if you just have like a low curve white weenie deck that just plays a bunch of humans, this could get you there. Okay. Yeah, I, I can see that. But yeah, uh, you know, this is not like this isn't a slam dunk. Don't go out and just craft this willy nilly, expecting that it's going to show up everywhere. But like, it's an efficient card and could definitely be a player interesting card here read for us faceless haven it's a snow land that is rare it taps for a colorless and for snow 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 faceless haven becomes a 4-3 creature with vigilance and all creature types until end of turn it is still a land are you hyped about snow creature lands the only reason why I think this card could be played instead of Crawling Barons is that creature type clause. Really? I think so. Yeah, I do. Okay. Like, okay, I, I'll give you that a creature land that starts with four power and only costs three mana to animate, that's like pretty competitively costed, so I'll give you that. But I do think that Crawling Barons is better. I think that it's better for most metas. I think it's better for mid-range and control decks, but I think Faceless Haven is tremendously better for a monocolor aggro deck, which is where a hard-hitting creature land is usually at its best, mm. as opposed to Barons. Barons requires five mana to attack with a 2-2. And remember, in an aggressive deck, you only want to get one or two attacks to finish the game. That's a good point. Yeah. Faceless Haven only requires four total lands, and it also has Vigilance. It has Vigilance, which, means, which is nice. Yeah. yeah, you can attack with it and then do something else with the mana post-combat. Mm -hmm. This could go right into that mono-red snow deck that we were talking about. I think that any aggressive deck that doesn't... it Like any monocolor aggressive deck, white, green, red, any one of them that doesn't experiment with a snow version for Faceless Haven, cutting the Zendikar Rising Lands and running Faceless Haven instead, I think that they should try it. A hundred percent, it should be tested. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it'll be right, but I think it could be. Mm -hmm. This certainly keeps pace with creature lands. Like this is a competitively costed creature land. Yeah, so. I'm not sure it's better than Castle Embereth, like mm -hmm. in Mono Red, and that mm -hmm. deck also has Shatter Skull Smashing, which is one of the best of those modal lands that you can play. But yeah. for example, like wouldn't you just gladly cut Castle Arden Vale and its five mana make a single one one out of your white aggro deck to run this? Oh yeah. Easily. I, I would. I would. It, there was a time where activating the castle like 17 times won you the control matchup, and that time it does not exist. The last time I tried to do that, my opponent cast an Ashiok, and I was like, oh. Or they hard, like, I did, I did the other side where I was playing the control side, and my opponent had castle going and were empty handed otherwise, and I hard cast my Shark Typhoon. 
you know, it's like not a problem to keep up with the, a one-one a turn. You you know what card is just gonna hate this card more than any other ever? Questing beast. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. You just want to trade this with a questing beast? Well, no. Your opponent is not going to want to trade that questing beast for your faceless haven. Oh, I, I mean, I'll play four mana land destruction in questing beast form. I, I attack right into it if I'm the opponent. I, I don't, I don't care. I'm, I'm crazy like that on aggro. Now, uh, I was thinking like I, the removal spells that hit this are kind of narrow. Scorching Dragonfire and Eliminate, I guess. Uh, Heartless Act does get this, and it doesn't get Crawling Barons easily if you play around it, so that's a thing. But my chat was saying that, and I kind of went on a rant of, then just don't activate it when they have Heartless Act! (laughs) (laughs) Come on, It's simple, people. (laughs) So yeah, I like Faceless Haven. I think it's one of the best cards in this set for aggro in a set that has almost nothing for aggro, so maybe that's not saying a ton, but I think you still have to try it. Yeah? Well, you you talked me up on it a little bit. We'll touch on this one quickly. Anal. One blue, instant, counter-target artifact or enchantment spell. Just know that this card is in the format. Moving on. Draugr Necromancer. Three and a black. Four, four. Snow creature, zombie cleric at rare. This has a lot of text on it. If a non-token creature an opponent controls would die, exile that card with an ice counter on it instead. You may cast spells from among cards in exile, your opponent's own, with ice counters on them. A lot of clauses in that sentence. <laughs> Let's read this again. You may cast spells from among cards in exile, your opponent's own, with ice counters on them, and you may spend mana from snow sources as though it were mana of any color to cast those spells. So the joke here is that your opponent's creatures die, and then eventually you cast them. The numbers on this card seem underwhelming to me. What do you think, CGB? It's funny that 4-mana four 4-4 four, four is just like, eh, because it doesn't do anything when it enters the battlefield, and power creep is such a thing. If this card sticks to the battlefield in a place where creatures matter, it's really good. You either have to only play it in a matchup where that is relevant, such as using a sideboard, or like the meta just has to shake that way. If this is somehow hard to kill, or doesn't get killed, or people don't remove things this card is good like this card against mono green food for example is it good they sacrifice their troll king to witch's oven but you get it and uh, it gets exiled well you get it if you can pay for it i mean you cast yeah yeah it was six mana to play it but it still gets exiled instead of going to the graveyard i guess that's true so it's just gone right yeah the, yeah this card against cat oven same thing yeah okay all right that's that's actually something that's that's something so there is kind of a, a baseline of if your opponent wants their creatures to die or if creatures dying regularly is just a part of this matchup, yeah. this card can be good on its own. You remember Kalitas? Yeah. So, that, that or Kalitas? That was, that was better than this card? Yes, I do um, remember I'm, that Yes, card. yes, it is, it is better because the creature gets exiled and for free you immediately get a 2-2 zombie. But there are times where drawing a card specifically a creature card that you can cast is better than a 2-2 zombie on the board this is all assuming it lives which is a big problem but that i remember when kalitas was spoiled i was i was there back in the day and people were not excited about this card and it's now like a 35 dollar card that people 
like really think of fondly and it was a big part of that format and a lot of people just underestimated that when Kalitas is on the board and something dies it just gets exiled and that ended up mattering in a lot of spots and i think it i think that ability matters more now than it did then to be honest like there's way more sacrifice as part of our lives going on yeah i agree with that it's just unfortunate that that format was also a lot more likely to play spot removal and stuff like that whereas this is you know this is like an apparition ecd style of a format oh yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of nonsense that can go on for sure yeah so i i hear where you're coming from i'm still pretty low on this card what about this what if what if like on turn four which is how we envision our cards right on turn four we play this if they're a creature deck they have to kill it right before we untap and do something to them. they do, do you have to with deal that? with it i give you that yeah okay so i mean on turn four it demands an answer on turn six or seven you play this and they kill it but you have heartless act so you also kill something of theirs i i think the part that hurts the most is if this thing is dead like you can't you the ability isn't there so i think it it, you can't use it and that sucks so much yeah it's the other thing is just like what what are you up against that's my problem with this card like you don't play this against gruel you don't probably don't play this against rogues yeah it's just not like hard to find an answer if if there is a mono green aggro deck in the format which there might be with some of the printings it's this probably isn't that good against that either so i just that's that's my main problem with the card is it just like the ability is good but the body and this the cost just don't seem very relevant to me yeah i i do think it's really narrow and a long shot to be clear i just yeah i i see some potential for that yeah, first line of text. That's it, it is undoubtedly a powerful card, and it is a card that like <laughs> this is like a um, this is like a really poor person scarab god <laughs> is what this card is. Uh, think like scarab god taken down a couple notches. All right, I love um, how it's a poor person's, but it's still a rare. You know, those rare wild cards aren't free. <laughs> they're not by any means, so don't use them on this card if you can help it. All right, uh, read this next card for us, CGB. Maskwood Nexus is four colorless for an artifact rare. Creatures you control are every creature type. The same is true for creature spells you control and creature cards you own that aren't on the battlefield. Three and a tap, create a two blue a 2-2 blue shapeshifter creature token with changeling create a 2-2 blue shapeshifter creature token with changeling that for some reason that line is what (laughs) that's what was hard for me to read why can't it just be a 2-2 blue changeling i i don't okay because changeling's an ability it's not a type okay i get it but i'm still annoyed so Creature cards everywhere except in your exile zone are changelings. Is that right? Um, no, actually, that aren't on the aren't battlefield. on the battlefield. Yeah, well, your your exile zone, your whole collection, your binder, your closet, the shoebox, every at your mom's creature house. ever <laughs> that you ever laid claim to at any point in Magic is a changeling. Yeah, how about that? So combo card, right? People are saying the world tree, and with the world tree and this, yes, you can get every creature in your library and graveyard and exile zone. No, just in your library. Uh, You can get every creature in your library and put it onto the battlefield. Kaboom, you did it. Give yourself a hand. All right. 
You want to do that? You think that's good? I don't know if it's good. It's a start. This card needs to be part of a game-winning combo, like preferably the turn after you play it, I think. Otherwise, it's just not doing much for you. Okay, so one of the cool things about this card is that it unlocks all of the combo pieces that also rely on tribal stuff. So there are some cards in this set that like have a pretty powerful effect, but it does need to be paired with people of the same tribe. And so uh, with the Maskwood Nexus out, you just unlock all of that stuff. Um, but it is a four mana do nothing. So you're really, you just really need to get your money on this thing. Yeah, to me, it's a Lithoform engine. It's a Helm of the Host. Like, these are not the cards for my style of magic. Yeah. Don't put this in your deck thinking that it's, like, pretty good and turns the rest of my cards on. This needs to be part of a of a game plan that consistently goes over the top of your opponent and consistently wins you the game if you do the thing. So that's that's what you need to be looking out for with the Nexus. But the World Tree is an example of where that is good enough. Not that that ultimately is going to be good enough for Standard, but if you get to do the thing while you have this, yes, it's good enough. So that that's the kind of like over-the-top thing that you need to be thinking about. Yeah, you need to do the World Tree for five. Yeah. <laughs> good luck with that. Good luck. Next card, Eradicate, Eradicator Valkyrie. Two black black creature angel berserker. At Mythic, 4-3. Flying Lifelink, Hexproof from Planeswalkers. Where were you when we needed you, buddy? Yeah. And it has Boast for one and a black. Sacrifice a creature. Each opponent sacrifices a creature or Planeswalker. So this is a card that play design clearly thought might be useful against certain things in certain situations. I don't know what they are. Yeah, neither do I, man. So maybe it's on the way? Maybe. That would be weird to print the mythic, unstoppable Planeswalker after the answer to it. I just don't think they do things that way. Yeah. I know, oh. because in most situations, this is just worse than your uh, than your Vampire Rogue, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, this is not... I don't think this is it. I It's a pretty cool angel berserker card and it's a mythic like a lot of this screams like it could or should be good but i don't buy it right now Mm -hmm. because for the same reason that we kind of look down on other like four and five mana cards that enter the battlefield and don't have an immediate effect this only has an immediate effect if you're blocking with the lifelink body and it's only got three toughness yeah toughness that kills me for that that really kills it for me yeah yeah you know what else kills it it seems like there's going to be a lot of 4-4 Sarah Angel tokens flying around in this format. Yeah, just kind of a sad trade. I guess you gain 4 life. The Hexproof from Planeswalker line, if you're trying to evaluate that, think of how many Spark Hunter Massacors have uh, ruled your day. You know what? This is what bothers me. I feel like they've printed a bunch of cards that no one remembers, and then they printed one Questing Beast. And <laughs> oh like, yes... Questing Beast did absolutely murderate Planeswalkers, and the rest of those cards did not. And that's why we don't remember them. I think that, like, if you want to hate Planeswalkers, you gotta print Questing Beasts, man. And this card is really not that. Why do you think the boast, like, 
I, I almost think, would you get excited about this card if the boast didn't say sacrifice a creature? If it was just something you could activate each turn you attacked with it to make the opponent sacrifice a creature or planeswalker? It would be a lot I, better. I'll tell I, you that. I, I, would, I would start getting excited about that. So maybe, maybe there's a way to abuse the sacrifice ability, but that still means you're building your deck with sacrifice in mind. And the problem with that is it's not reliable because you have to attack with this to get to sacrifice something. So it doesn't yeah. fit in that deck. So I think that really hurts it. I agree. This reads to me like a card. This is a card with a bunch of knobs on it, and none of them kind of seem to be tweaking in quite the right way. <laughs> like, agree. Yeah, it's just, it's just like a thermostat with a bunch of settings that don't quite make sense next to each other. That's kind of what this card is. Uh, all right, next card somewhat interesting snakeskin veil one green mana for an instant put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control it gains hex proof until end of turn so um th is this a strictly better version of uh god what was that other card blossoming defense ranger's guy ranger's guy this is a strictly better thinking. than ranger's guy right yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely power creep on this uh, one green instant here, yes. Ranger's Guile didn't see a lot of play. It saw, I, I, I would say, like very fringe play. Mm -hmm. But this is a better version, so keep that in mind. I think it's a really good card. Mm -hmm. I, I'm curious to see, like with the amount of spot removal going on, if there is just kind of a protect the queen strategy that this fits into. Yeah. This and, uh, for example, the gold, the gold span dragon, right? You, yeah, yup. It because you make another treasure as well when you target it. Yes, you do. Mm -hmm. Yes, you do. Yeah, man, that's what I'm talking about. When you have stuff worth protecting, get in there, man. This is great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm down. Plus, you know, we've seen those counter synergies uh, proliferating, as it were. So, <laughs> well done. So that's a cool thing as well. That's a wrap for this one, but fear not, we have many, 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 many more coming. So there's going to be a lot of content coming out over the next couple of weeks. So just kick back, enjoy, and keep your eye out for the next episode.